It is time, a very special edition, a, a series on Easter here with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Uh, we are Rochelle and Carter, normally talking about our, our specific quiet times, just kind of an out loud version of that. Uh, but there is so much Easter to view. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. And read, and HopeOnDemand.com has it all, inclu- including a uh, article, How to Share Easter with Your Kids with Lee Strobel. And I even went back and listened to the podcast from last year. Uh-huh. Interesting perspective, given that it was, you know, 2020 was the beginning of the pandemic. That's right. Just hearing some of the history, we were able to go over the all the days of Holy Week. The timeline, yeah. And so what we're doing today is we're going to start opening up the resurrection eggs. And a great way to share the story with your kids. And I, yeah, we're going to start with like a simple way by opening the egg and saying what it represents and then maybe get a little bit more into de- detail just for our yeah, no, knowledge. May, maybe something for you. Maybe you wouldn't share all of it with the kids. Maybe you would, especially if they're older. Well, believe it or not, one of these does. I, most of these are not lighthearted. Right, right. You know, because this is talking about Holy Week, what Jesus went through. Uh, I can't even fathom. This must have been the loneliest period of his life, and yet he was surrounded by people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, especially in the midst of a pandemic and understanding what loneliness has been for each one of us. And, each our own different way. Right. right. Um, I just I, I love the fact that we are we get a window into what Jesus must have dealt with. This was not an easy week. We get to know that he can empathize with us in the ugliest places of our lives. That's true. He, see, it's it's a bit of a one sided relationship in that aspect, because I've heard it with celebrities. Mm. They feel totally alone, even though everybody's shouting their name. But nobody really knows what they're going through. Yeah. And in the same, in a bigger sense, Jesus knows what we're going through. Right. But you, like you talk about with this week, nobody, nobody on planet Earth has had the the guilt and the shame yeah. of the entire world's and and past and future sins on themselves. And he was about to, and then did go through that. And he's okay. So, and he's perfect. So he's alone anyway in mm-hmm. that, right? right? That's true. That's true. You and I can't claim that. Yeah, he, so we don't relate exactly in that way to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and yet he's able to empathize with us. Yeah. Um. So he was not without temptation. There was temptation in his world, but he said no to it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's how he can empathize with us because there was a temptation, which indicates there was desire. He just didn't give in to. No, oh, yeah. There was, yeah. yeah, it didn't become a lust. It didn't become a sin. That's true. That's true. Um, And that that's amazing. So here he is alone, <laughs> not only knowing what he's about to do, and the disciples are not all on board. And even when he tries to confront them about uh, the Son of Man will die, they're like, nah. Even no. Peter's like, no, it's never going to happen. And which Jesus he, is like, yeah, it is. And you, <laughs> don't you dare say otherwise. And get thee behind me, Satan. Right. It's more than a slap on the wrist. It's It's kind of a big deal. Um, but let's open the first egg, shall okay, we? Okay, so this is great. This is the first of 12 eggs. Again, they're very colorful plastic eggs in this uh, egg carton. You can make these or buy these resurrection eggs. Let's pop open the let's first one. Let's pop it open. And can I just also say, when you teach your children this, and they get to the place where they're able to teach others, anything that you're able to teach others, that stays with you, right? Yeah, if you have a better grasp on. Yeah. I've heard that from teachers before in the past. It's like, all right, if you're having trouble learning this material, then just teach it to yourself. Pretend like you're in a classroom situation and you'll learn it better. So here we go. Here's a little what? Is that a donkey? He's so cute. Little donkey. This is the first of the resurrection eggs and it is a donkey. Donkey. Uh, And this is something I just learned the other day. Donkeys were a sign of wealth up until like the time of Solomon. Oh, no, that's interesting. Because I've heard it said by Sunday school teachers and whatnot, it was very 
a humble animal to come into town with. This oh. is, of course, the donkey that Jesus signifies the uh, donkey that Jesus rode in on. Absolutely. It was a humble animal, the time of Jesus, especially. And it would have been after the time of Solomon. But, you know, there was a certain part of the Bible you might be reading through and it's like, and the men had a bajillion sons and each had a donkey. And it was like, <laughs> why would you mention that? Why? Yeah. <laughs> because it was a sign that the family had some money. Interesting. Okay. But after Solomon, the son of David, uh, there's an interesting tie-in. Uh, horses were a thing. So horses are brought into the area. And so if kings and those who were respected and esteemed were to come into the city, as Jesus was about to do on this donkey into Jerusalem, the people would crowd around and they would welcome him in and they would do it very much like we see it on Palm Sunday represented. Usually they were on horses, but here he comes riding a donkey. And of course, that is a prophecy. Yeah, that's right. That he fulfills. Well, it's, and he fulfills so much prophecy. Oh, yes. And there's there's part of the uh, facts and evidence of the Bible of one person couldn't fulfill all this. Statistic-wise, it's just crazy out the roof. Right. So this is Palm Sunday. This mm-hmm. is the Sunday before Easter. Yes. And the whole week leading up is called Holy Week. This is what we remember. And so he's riding into Jerusalem, and he knows what he's about to do. He does. In fact, he's he's wept just before coming into Jerusalem. Mm. You read how he weeps over Jerusalem. Oh, how I wish to 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 bring you closer to me like a, a mother or hen, I believe, gathers her chicks. Mm is how the verse says. I'm paraphrasing clearly. Uh, And there are some people that are super excited to see him. And then there's the tagalongs who are the naysayers who are, honestly, I I don't want to ever give anyone justification to be a gloomy Gus, you know? But at the same time, I have to recognize if I am prone to be a gloomy Gus at all, I can't point my finger in judgment at people because I'm guilty of the thing they're guilty of. So who are you talking about exactly? I'm talking about... The folks who are the leaders of the day, we're talking um, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the council, the people who were the teachers of the times who had learned this is the way it's supposed to be. And this, here's another would-be Messiah coming along saying he's going to save everybody. Many we, did, and yes. they said they would. And so here he comes riding on a donkey and everybody's calling him son of David, assuming that he is this Messiah. And we, we're not happy about it. And I do find it fascinating that not all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees were like that. There Mm. were, I mean, you can think of the handful that are named in the Bible from Joseph of Arimathea to Nicodemus. Right, right. And Gamaliel was the teacher of Saul turned Paul later on. We read about him in the book of Acts. And he even says, look, guys, we don't have to get all upset about this guy, Jesus, because if it's true, it's going to stick. And if it's not... Then it'll go away. It'll go away. So I think about them because obviously the Pharisees are the uh, antagonists of the story of of Jesus. And I mean, not just now, but his whole ministry. And you think about today, though, where you're at, that nothing, if you're a believer in Jesus and Mm -hmm. you're solid in that, and you know that nothing would change your mind on that. If somebody said, hey, you know, here's this other way also to get saved, or hey, did you know that this other religion is the right way? Nothing is going to shake you in your faith. And so while it's it's twofold there, I try to put myself in their shoes where mm-hmm. I want to be solid in my faith, and you can see there's some stubbornness that can be there. Even today, I might not listen to somebody when I at least should have a conversation. Sometimes you don't even want to have the conversation because you know they're just incorrect. And you could see a little bit of that. Mm. 
But at the same time, they they were looking, they were waiting on a Messiah. They were. And they didn't even give him the time of day. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them. Some and you them. read about in John chapter 3, where we get one of the most famous verses, passages ever, John 3, 16. That's out of a conversation he has with a Pharisee mm-hmm. named Nicodemus, who's, I want to talk more about what you're talking about. Right, right. And he's hearing things that Jesus is saying. It's like he takes what is very familiar according to Jewish law and tradition and the reciting of the Shema. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not going to get into all of that, but he is saying things that clearly are impacting others. And Nicodemus is like clearly impacted too. Right. So he's like, there's something here that I need to keep. I need to investigate. Maybe God has purpose in this man. Maybe he is Messiah. And so, yeah, like Emilio's word was to the rest of the Pharisees and it was and, and Sadducees and it was well after the passing of Jesus on the cross and their denial of his resurrection that he tells people, hey, if it's going to stick, let's who are we to say no? Mm-hmm. And if this is a fake, then it'll go away. Right. It hasn't gone away. It hasn't gone away. <laughs> so you have this egg kind of getting yeah. into the story. The this is uh, uh, Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. and he's riding into town. Yes. And then, you know, we'll get into, obviously, you know, the cross and the resurrection is coming. Yes. But some of these other eggs uh, mm-hmm. into the the next event, Let's, the next signi- significant event. And again, if you want further details about this kind of stuff, I, I really do recommend going back and listening to the Easter podcast from last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's, yeah, we want to keep moving forward, especially the little ones are like, all right, what's in the next day? Right, right. <laughs> all right, so here we go. Can you oh, guess what's oh, in there? Oh, no. You see? Oh, uh, coins. Those are coins. Oh, and is that silver? Typically, if I was a little kid and I'm opening my Easter egg and it's got money in it, this is payday. This, uh, I'm no, excited. You can't use those legally in, in the United States or anywhere. <laughs> I don't think they're real coins. No, these are not real coins. Uh, they're meant to l- represent like the silver, the shekels perhaps of the day. And uh, the going rate for a slave purchase would have been around 30 pieces of silver. Hmm. And that is exactly what who was given for the life of Jesus. Yeah, it's uh, it's Judas. So yeah. this is the the time where he betrays him for 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. You know, we, we've had an, an incredibly in-depth conversation the other day about what, what does that look like for Judas? He sees three years of ministry mm-hmm. and, and miracles from yeah. Jesus and incredible teachings and incredible compassion. He follows Jesus for three years there's not a whole lot bad bad said about him. It, it talked about, yeah. you know, it, at least not early on. And so, is he is he a believer, and then and then just chooses this? Does he not believe the whole time? And and also, does Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, you know, Jesus gave up his his total divine rights. So, for example, he didn't he doesn't know on earth. I, he, there's a good chance he does now, but on earth he doesn't know when the second coming is going to be. There are things that are withheld from him. So I'm curious, does Jesus know right at the beginning of the ministry when he says, hey, Judas, follow me? Mm-hmm. Does Jesus know that that's going to be the person that betrays and we, him? And we don't know. We don't know much about that time. We do know that Jesus is clearly aware of Judas's role in what's about to take place that week, at least by the time of what's famously called the Last Supper. Yeah. And that's because he tells John, like he openly shares at this this dining room setting one of you tonight is going to betray me. And then that's when everybody's... I would imagine there's not like immediate murmuring like we've heard in movies. You know, it would have been like shock. Yeah. 
nobody saying a word. What? Right. And then they start going, okay, well, he can heal the lame. He, he makes the blind guy see. I saw him walking on water. Peter got there a couple steps in. Uh, clearly, he'll have the gift of prophecy. So if that's true, was it me? Hmm. Is it me? And John, who's the closest, even says he's reclining on Jesus's chest. They were such good friends. John says, is it me? Who is it, Lord? And that's when Jesus reveals in the book of John, uh, the one who dips the bread in the bowl with me. That's the guy. And it was Judas. And then he tells Judas, go do what you're going to do. And we don't get the impression that, I mean, nobody trips Judas on the way out or punches him or do they even comprehend it totally then? Do they know what he's going to do? I think all of it's just kind of like Jesus has spoken in parables for three years Mm -hmm. in ministry. Mm -hmm. And there were many times where the disciples had to get clarification after he would share with the public. What did that mean again? Right. So I'm pretty sure they're banking on Jesus kind of explaining stuff. Maybe tomorrow, <laughs> because yeah. tonight we're going to celebrate Passover, which right. I believe they were celebrating like a full 12 hours before others, oh, which okay. would have been unusual. Oh, interesting. OK. Um, but to to make sure that he had that symbolic time with them. Yeah, they, they did it early from what I understand. And yeah. Judas, the only thing that we really know other than he betrayed Jesus, he betrayed the others certain times in ministry when, you know, he was pocketing some of the money. He was in charge of the money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they knew that he was doing that. Now, whether they knew that at the moment or they were called later, you know, we always wondered how that money was stolen. I bet it was Judas. Maybe they guessed it after. I, I don't know. But um, also, did you ever notice that he slurped? I just I, I know my myself is when all of a sudden we don't like somebody because oh. he really does. We'll yeah. just start bringing all the habits that he did. He would slurp his soup through his front teeth. Oh, my goodness. And it would yeah. come out. Like, I just I just, <laughs> I just would. So annoying. I know what I would do. I just pile on. Um, but obviously the the heartbreak that had to be there even for them. Oh, man. much less Jesus. But even for them of the that they I'm sure they felt betrayed. Yeah, I don't. He's always just been that sad figure. Mm-hmm. For Jesus even to say the words, and, and he it is recorded in Scripture, it would have been better for him to never have been born. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but whether, you know, I was thinking when you were asking the question, did Jesus know from the beginning of ministry that this is the guy that would play that role? Perhaps he did. It, there's a good chance. We don't know whether he did or didn't. And what's amazing is yeah. there's no indication that Jesus treated him any differently. So if he did know Oh, I mean, just another testament of the yeah. grace of Jesus during three years, knowing this is the guy and he treated him. I mean, there certainly there's no indication that he was yeah. the redheaded stepchild or anything. Well, he had his top three go tos. Well, true. The more the more intimate disciples, Peter, yeah. James and John were always the ones that he would take along with him in more intimate settings. Uh, and, and Judas, I don't know, maybe you got jealous. It, whatever mm. leads you to the place where you are able to look at the the folks who are, I mean, he agreed to betray Jesus. This is after uh, the timeline of him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. So he sees these teachers. He sees them like hissing at him, mm-hmm. you know, to tell these people to stop saying Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just tell them to stop. So he knows their point of view. 
especially after Jesus goes into the temple and asserts his authority in his house and overturns the money changers tables. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now he's got a price on his head for sure because those teachers are mad. Right. Jesus is just holding folks accountable and saying, first, this is my house. This is my father's house. How dare you let it get to this place? Well, now who is he talking to? The ones in leadership, the ones in charge, in authority. Those would have been the leaders of the, the temple because they're the ones who are okaying. Yes, we will sell these animals at for this ridiculous profit when they're in bad shape or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mm-hmm. were cheating people. They were allowing it to happen, I should say. So now they're even more mad. No, the pride got in the way there. And so Jude, yeah. Judas sees the anger and he knows the And something happened. Maybe it was a switch that just went off. Or maybe it was the process of time in three years of seeing Jesus allowing the lady to come in and put the perfume on the feet when that money could have, uh, that perfume could have been sold, the money used for something else, for the poor. Yeah, because Judas is the one that said that, right? Who said that? In one of the accounts, yes. So what's interesting is I never thought about, we just think of Judas as this bad guy villain. I'll just say what I thought. This bad guy villain that kind of is his own thing. Mm. And then in a different category is the Pharisees. But I've never thought about potentially... Yeah, Judas may have been maybe more pharisaical. Maybe he was more you know, holding to Jewish law and thought that Jesus was disrespecting Jewish law or something. I mean, I've never thought about it in that fact because he did get upset about the money in that earlier account mm. and he because he was a treasurer. And and so perhaps he maybe that's some, maybe that is what it is. He he agreed with the Pharisees. Yeah. I don't I, know. When you read that story, maybe it was because, well, he pocketed money. That's why. Well, true. That's yeah, why true. he wanted it. But yeah. maybe it started with that. So I don't know. They're not going to use it for the right purpose anyway. So I'm going to. Right. Yeah. Well, they don't oversee it in the right way. He thought. I'll just he take thought it. He thought he knew that. Isn't that, isn't that just sin anyway? When we put whatever we think is best mm. before what God says, that's a form of idolatry. It certainly is a form of pride. Yeah. That's going to lead nowhere good. That's true. So we, uh, that's the second egg is the, the, the coins. Uh, he agrees Judas. to, yeah, he agrees on the price on, on Jesus's head. His, one of his dearest friends, when he followed a ministry for three years of his life, and he agreed to allow him to be, I mean, what did he think was going to happen? He got, he was handing him over. Yeah. Yeah. The the worst form of Roman to- torture, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so this wow. is number three. Oh, oh, oh. I dropped it. Ooh, that, this is so good. That's what is that? A cup? A, cup. a little that's chalice. A so we here, obviously, we mentioned the Lord's Supper. This is the Passover meal that they're doing before everybody else to celebrate because we know what's coming is Jesus gonna 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 get arrested. Yes. Uh, so they are here sharing this meal together. It's important that we understand the the history of the meal, and we'll go over it super fast. Passover meal celebrated for fifteen hundred years. I mean, today practicing Jews or, or Judeo Christians, it's thirty five hundred years, right? Yeah. Old tradition, and it's it's hey. We are coming out of exile, or excuse me, not exile. We're coming out of bondage from Egypt. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh's enslaved the people. The Hebrew slaves have been treated horribly. And uh, the promise is that if they take a a sheep or a goat, I think it was, you take the blood and you put it over the doorpost of your house, the death angel will pass over. Yeah. Everybody else in the land, their firstborn will, will die. Including uh, Pharaoh's, which was a, yes. a deity. They were worshiping the people of that time, not Israel, obviously, but they were worshiping uh, yes. Pharaoh and Pharaoh's son. And they knew that the moment that, that 
Pharaoh's son was going to pass away, that would be the straw that broke the camel's back. And he's going to finally release them after these 10 plagues Mm -hmm. have completely just made the Egyptians' lives miserable. And uh, it's that straw that broke the camel's back that also lent to, hey, we got to get out of here fast because he's going to want us out fast. Mm -hmm. And And before he changes his mind. And there's the Red Sea. So there's the Red Sea. But, I mean, what do they do? Don't, uh, first of all, there's, yeah, the sheep there's in there, but also the flatbread. Don't forget that. No yeast. Yeah. Because you have to wait for it to rise. So no yeast. It's flatbread. Um, You're like, what is all of this about? Subway. Subway is a big fan of that part of the, the meal. Wine representing the, <laughs> I'm just moving on. Kurt. Okay. The wine representing the blood that would be drained from, that. it was very important. There was no blood. It's not like Texas where uh, Carter and I personally live, like everything has blood in it or it's not steak, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> no, like they would drain the blood because life, that was the life source of the animals. So drain it completely out. And mm. so that was important, obviously, for putting over the doorpost and pass over us. The death angel would pass over us. So they have all these things to remember exactly. what God brought them through. So this is the meal that they were going to sit down and, and eat. I say sit down. That's that's a loose sitting because yeah. the table's super low. Lounge. Is it like, is that a Japanese culture where they eat really I low? I believe that's right. Okay, so something like right. that where yeah. they'd be kind of reclining back and, mm-hmm. and or like four different levels to the meal. All of that to say. Jesus uses this time, instead of giving them an instruction manual, he already uses something that is hugely familiar to them. They've done this all their lives. In fact, they've even had a couple of Passover meals with Jesus in the past. And he uses this to tell them what he's about to do and what's going to happen. Not about their past, enslaved as Hebrews, but what is going to happen, freedom in their future. Mm. And so bread, he takes the bread and he breaks it. He says, this is my body. Well, bread was like, that was the most common food source for the people. Yeah. They're not eating meat every meal. I don't think people eat meat until after Noah, actually. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. fascinating. Okay. So the protein wasn't the, the main way to go. They get it from their, the, the bread. And so the, I'm going to be your source for life. Hmm. And he breaks it. Eat it. This is my body broken for you. They're like, what? This has never been said before at Passover. Mm-hmm. Totally changed up the rules here, Jesus. This is weird. This is different. We're going we're gonna to eat the bread, though. Well, an interesting point by you that you mentioned, well, they had done this a couple of times with Jesus sure. before. And this this one was different. And he didn't say the same thing. This is a different, what, you, what is he saying? Did he say what I think he said? And then uh, there's a bitter herb part of it, which represented the sorrow of what, you know, the Hebrew slaves endured in Egypt. Moving on to the, the lamb. So the blood would always be taken separately apart from the lamb. It was very important. Again, you don't you don't eat the blood. But now he's taken this time and he holds up the cup, which is in this Easter egg that I just pulled out. He holds up the cup and he said, this is my blood. It's no longer the blood of the lamb that you put over the doorpost of mm. the house in representation. This is my blood covering you. I'm about to shed it for you. Mm. And instead of remembering what happened in Egypt... I want you to do this now in remembrance of me mm. and what I'm about to do. So I, when I started kind of studying a little bit about this, um, what others have gleaned from this history and the symbolism of what he said, I mean, that's changed the way I do communion now. Yeah, yeah. The that's, history tied in with that and yeah. then he, there's a, a, a changing point right there, mm-hmm. right there. And obviously that, as it says in Hebrews, is the uh, sacrifice once and for all. So yeah. that is the point that you go back to of, of, of seeing, okay, 
uh, we still say the pastor says those words when mm-hmm. we take the, you know, the the bread or the wine or the grape juice or whatever you use sure. to do that. Uh, and so what a what a powerful, powerful thing yeah. uh, with obviously what was about to happen. And he does this object lesson again in a way that hopefully is tangible, accessible to not just the disciples post what happens, because I think at that point they're still even like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. But we have mm-hmm. the gift of hindsight and going, I see what he was doing there. Yeah. They were in the midst of not seeing and knowing what was happening. So years later, they're able to go, do you remember when we celebrated Passover? Let me show you what Jesus is now teaching us to do. That's cool. So on to the fourth egg. Yeah. I, I just want to I do want to like just kind of highlight one little thing. You know, the Passover meal was interesting because it was all about the freeing of the slaves from an area. And it was a people. It was a, the Hebrew people that would become the Israelite people. Right. What Jesus was going to do was different. He was about freeing us from something way more important than Rome, which is what they were anticipating Messiah to free them from, right? Mm-hmm. It was the tyranny of Rome. And uh, I've heard it worded that it's recognizing that there is a, quote, Pharaoh in all of us. And that truly is where the freedom comes from. Because even reading the passages about the Israelites in the Old Testament, just because they were free from Egypt, that didn't mean, that's it, party, right. we're good. Yeah. Like they kept getting enslaved in sin. Uh, after physical enslavement in Egypt. So, so grateful for, for what he did yeah. in that moment of Passover to kind of represent what, what, what it was that he actually was about to do, which is yeah, leading us to this next egg. Because he had, he knew what he was going to do, but now he needed to kind of get <sighs> through it. This is the fourth egg, and what, what, what is that? What does it look like? Is it like the praying hands emoji? Yes. So this is not the way that I use, when I pray, I don't fold my hands like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you fold your hands at all anymore? Mm-hmm. When we were children, our parents were like, you need to fold your hands, close your eyes, because it was distracting. It's sit on your hands, if, <laughs> if at all necessary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, the this praying is hands. praying hands. And so this would signify uh, the next step after the meal. Yeah. Garden of Gethsemane. Yes. This is where Jesus uh, sweats drops of blood. Yes. Because of this stress. And the, what we talked about earlier, nobody has, nobody ever has and ever will have all of the weight of the sin of the world on their shoulders. And so yeah. um, he brings, you know, the, the intimate disciples there, you know, will you, you stay with me? Will you pray with me? They keep falling asleep. Mm. He, like we talked about, definitely has to feel alone. I just feel, I mean, do you feel the weight of that? I think, I think we've been given, if for nothing else, look, I know that, you know, we're recording this in 2021, but this whole year has been weighted Mm -hmm. and there have been positives, absolutely positives of families being able to gather a little bit longer. Employees saying, Hey, I didn't have to work this crazy shift because well, we weren't physically allowed to work this crazy long shift. Mm -hmm. And, but then there have been folks that have gone through devastating physical circumstances and, and, and death even with coronavirus. And so feeling the weight of, of loneliness has also been a part of that. And yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes, which we never will be able to, because like you said, it's the weight of sin of the entire world, not only present in that moment, but past and future. Yeah. And he was going to break that bond that would keep us enslaved. And, and so he has to purpose himself, even though he knows this is what I'm going to do. He prays that prayer. 
it's a great example of when we're going through something tough that the allowance to be able to pray to God to take it away. Because mm-hmm. Jesus knew the plan, right? I've, yeah. in, in some regard, at least, that uh, he was going to be the sacrifice. And he still asks God, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. He had to resolve himself in that moment to complete the work of Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, we'll we'll focus on the cross a little later when we open up that egg. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> right. Yep. But it is one of the, like I said, these are not easy eggs to open, right? Um, but for that to happen, you have to resolve yourself. And he had taken these incredible steps throughout ministry to share, this is who God is. This is what he meant when he said this. You have heard it said, but I say, and he is painting this vivid, important picture for future followers and present day followers. And so now it's all it's all at this moment, I think, to the point where, yes, he he burst the capillaries in his forehead because of the pressure and the strain and the stress of the moment. So that should tell you, because I, I know that I think that this the 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 word anxiety it triggers folks because that has ugliness attached to it, clearly. But this was ugly. Mm-hmm. You imagine being asked to do this, and he's not only being asked, but he's he did this. This is the whole reason why he came, you know. But he's still made out of human flesh, and he is dealing with such immense pressure that it would have that would have been the only way to cause the capillaries to burst in your forehead and make it look like you're sweating drops of blood. Yeah. Yeah. The first part of the blood covering happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, I've never thought about, you know, what whatever significance of that. I know there's a um um I've been talking about people that believe the uh of a different faith and they believe the atonement happened in the garden alone, which is false. Because uh, clearly he says it is finished on the cross. Yes. So, I, but I've never really talked about with anybody where did the process start. Certainly, the literal first drops of blood happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the salvation part of it or not. But you, at the very least, get that sense of he, it, you, you see the physical pain yeah. in the the movies like The Passion. Sure. And you you see the uh, cat of nine tails, which we'll get into that. Get into the cross. another spoiler alert. Another spoiler alert, exactly. <laughs> and but but this part, mm. you see the anguish, especially you read it over and over, or you know if, if something. Um, I don't know if the, did the chosen cover this. The Not cho- yet. Not They've yet. only gotten the one series. The chosen mini series. I'm sorry. On the one two. season is what I meant to say. Did yeah. you know that Phil Wickham, the, the Christian singer Phil Wickham, is gonna is, is an extra in this next season? Oh, that's cool. That's gonna, gonna, gonna be crazy. Anyways, Squirrel. Uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> this is the the first part where you, uh, for me, where you really see the anguish and there's that emotional disruption. That emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, he's disturbed. I think he is is so. Um, understanding now more and more what it's going to be mm-hmm. and and obviously with the the flesh side does really i think i think maybe all sides don't want to go through it if there's any other possible way all night long the steps have been taken to help him focus on what he needs to do like he knows that the feet of the disciples that he is washing these disciples are about to betray him some of them with actual words, some mm-hmm. of them with actions, and some of them by just running scared. They scattered, yeah. 
In fact, one of them, it shares in scripture, he got so freaked out that when the sad soldiers grabbed him, like he was wearing, I get, there's layers, mm-hmm. like onions. They were wearing layers. And he was wearing like that tunic that you would get right before you get to your birthday suit. Right. And that was that was the layer he was wearing because it was it was sleepy time, right? And when he wakes up, the soldiers start to grab him and they grab that part of his layers and he runs naked like it, a crazy person. It was the first account of a streaker. Yes. Uh, it was right there. It was it was in it just we don't even know who that guy is. No, we either. don't know his name. Uh, it wasn't no. one of the 12 uh, disciples. But mm. my goodness. Uh, also, we, we covered last year. I, like I like Rochelle said, I encourage you to go back and listen last year. Some of the other accounts as we go more day by day then yeah. uh, that it, this was not Judas said, I'll identify him. It's the man that I kiss on the cheek. Exactly. And I always thought that was strange. Like the seven people that are coming with you need you to, I mean, don't they know? No, it was like over a hundred, right? Actually, I think the Greek wording, it could have been anywhere up to 600 people were there. That is crazy. I know. Six people, 600 people came to arrest a man that had never sinned. Yeah. That is just crazy. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm sure that he says, you brought all these soldiers. Mm. I have been in your midst all this time. Yeah. And now you're, you have to bring this, you know, this troop. That's fascinating. Oh my goodness. But Jesus, he commits himself in that moment and he prays this prayer that, listen, I don't know if you've ever been that person. It's like somebody asks you to pray. I've actually encountered, so has Carter the last, um, I, just even in this last day, people who admit, I'm nervous to pray. Jesus should show you in this moment that there isn't really a, quote, wrong way to pray as long as it's sincere before the Lord because mm-hmm. he want, he already knows what's in your heart. Yeah. It's just it's talking to God. Yeah. And so here he is. I know the Father. I am God in flesh. I am the Son, right? Part of this trinity. And I I know why I'm here. I know this is the purpose. I know it all led up to this moment. But Father, if you will let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. And that is a a very understandable prayer to pray because, and honestly, it really should be the way that we tailor our prayers every single day. Ask. Yeah, ask, absolutely. Because the one that can give it to you is God. That's the only one that you should be receiving from, you know. Mm. I don't want it unless it's from him. Mm. So if he's withholding it, then there's a reason for it, yeah, right? He knows, yeah. So ask. But at the same time, then surrender the ask and say, but your will be done. And that feels dangerous. But why does it? Because it's like we kind of want to hold on to it and somehow craft it to where, okay, if I don't surrender it, then maybe, maybe Mm. it'll still come true. No, it's like then it's kind of just allowing, Lord, you know what's best. You know what needs to take place. And that's exactly what Jesus prayed. And so that's what I, I want to (laughs) keep, I struggle with it surrendering it over it was never mine to begin with anyway it was an illusion if i thought it was and what that will is um we will get into mm-hmm. in more detail over the next uh egg a couple of eggs that we'll get to in the next Which part i'm gonna go ahead and say because you already said it you see it okay there it is and that's that's not going to be a fun one carter already talked about it and uh so it, it that's will, all i'm gonna say we'll start it first on the next series you may be able to click over there right now of part two Going through the resurrection eggs in this Easter series with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast.